0: In the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. For Friday night, July 3rd. 2020 this is episode 20 of the anime roundtable canada version 2.0 good evening once again mike nicholas flying solo at the six point studio in the western tip of toronto also once again james austin kevin ing and Mohammed shamarki join us remotely from their homes at various points in the west end if you have any comments or questions you can contact us by email anime roundtable at gmail.com on twitter and instagram at Anime Roundtable, and you can also check out our blog and archive, AnimeRoundtable.com, and on Discord. Not that anyone pays attention to Discord around here. The first thing that's coming to mind tonight is it is hot outside here in Toronto. We are at the beginning of a run of what could be as long as two weeks with plus 30 degree Celsius weather, which translates to mid-80s Fahrenheit for uh, people who are keeping up in the States. But it's a scorcher, and sometimes my mind just gets dizzy in weather like this. And if it's not that that's getting me dizzy... It's basically what's going to happen this weekend. I don't know where to start tonight, really.
1: I finally got my haircut. haircut. Oh, you finally got
0: your haircut? Yes. How did that turn out? It felt wonderful. Good. After getting my haircut last week, just before the digest, it it literally felt like a weight had come off the top of my head. Kind of have that feeling?
1: A little bit, yeah. I was okay. just happy that I didn't have to brush hair out of my face <laughs> 23 times a day.
0: Well, I, I had the same feeling with uh, sweeping my hair around my ears. But,
1: but me too, me too.
0: Well, You got your hair cut just in time with all the weather. That's <laughs> now uh, upon us here. Uh, by the way, happy Canada Day. We are taping this in that... Period between Canada Day up here and Fourth of July, which is tomorrow in the states. So happy, whatever applies to you.
2: And I'm um, already you know, hearing fireworks, so I'm not sure what they're celebrating near me.
0: Well, there've been there've been fireworks the last couple nights. I mean, I saw a few here in this area. Maybe they're was, celebrating uh, getting uh, their <laughs>
3: haircuts. I think that's a reasonable response to getting a haircut. You know oh, fireworks.
0: Yeah, well, as I said, up here in Ontario, we are seeing a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. I know that's not really the case in a lot of the states right now. They've kind of gone back deep, and I'm sorry to hear. Up here are, we, in,
3: are we really sorry to hear the Florida is, you know, fucking up like it is?
0: To the ones that are actually trying, yes. that's, that's the pro- And that's the problem. I don't know how many are actually trying there and in other parts where the cases have spiked.
2: We've had our uh, run-ins too, right? That one nightclub Von King trying to sneak people in the back door, right? Yes. People were just shaking their heads. Like, what were you thinking?
0: There's a follow-up to that. uh, And they lost
2: their liquor license, which they should, and and God knows what else.
0: And right now that's a temporary loss, but they are considering keeping that liquor license Ban now permanent. So uh, for that club, and the club's name is, uh, I forget off the top of my head, it's Goldies. proven to Goldies. be a really costly it's thing. It's called Goldies. Goldies. That's the name. Thank you. Sneaking everybody to the back, and the tip-off was the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. Way to go. But yes, it, it's, a, it's a scorcher here. And it's 4th of July weekend. More on that in a, just a bit. Okay, so let me start myself. Kevin, I'm going to let you know, I did finish the Wotakoi anime on Amazon a couple days ago. Ooh.
2: How did you enjoy it there, uh, Mike, since me and uh, Kevin have seen it?
0: Yeah, it brings back good. Me- brings back, I wouldn't say memories, but there's a lot I can relate to having watched it. Like a lot of the little things with each of these characters. It's a it's relatable, like I said, Genshi Ken for those who are past high school, right, and past a uh, past college and university for that matter. So it's a Genshi Ken for people in their twenties and above, really. At least that's the, the impression I have. The thing, the my own takeaway though from after having watched it is there's more to that story that I want to see. It's a yeah. very. It's very slice of life. That's that's the impression I already have of it. Yeah, that's the shine. You can really watch each individual episode, not really having watched the other ones, as long as you just come in knowing a basic idea of the story, and then you can kind of see how how all these misunderstandings and little quirks add to the humor of the show. But you see the the relationships of all the all the characters developing and then it ends all of a sudden at least the anime runs so you want to know a little more although there's a part of you saying okay if you don't want to watch anymore it's okay too there's a quasi closure to it that says well life just goes on for these guys and it's not and life's overall still pretty good but then sometimes you're just a little bit more curious too.
2: I think that's the cue where you're supposed to be going out to buy the manga, there, Mike.
0: Well, is, is it comes back to the some of the some of the basic economic strategies of 2D culture in Japan, right?
2: Yeah. No, it's basically an advertisement for uh, the manga. You have three omnibus volumes out uh, from Kodansha USA, and unfortunately, the fourth omnibus volume, which is uh, seven and eight. Won't be until October. It got delayed to October because of COVID. But I forget how far it goes. I think it went up to uh the third omnibus volume in around there at the beginning and then new stuff comes. But it's as you said, continues the adventures.
0: Yeah. And I'll consider it, but there's other stuff I want I do want to go to in, in a bit before coming back to Wodokoi. I mean, I mentioned my playlist involves Card Capture Sakura, Clear Card. And finishing up at least the previous season of Terrace House, which uh, which I got to talk a little bit more about Terrace House just a little later on, because I have a little bit more to say on that. And I mentioned to you guys, I've actually started playing, a, playing video games again just a little bit, because um, a mutual friend of ours suggested suggested some games in the yakuza series since they were on sale and i decided to start right at the beginning of the story not the first game necessarily because yakuza zero is one of the more recent games in the series but it is an origin story so i want to start from the beginning of the narrative and i kind of in the first couple days of it i've probably played more than i thought i would to this point and kind of gotten into that which kind of sucks because now it's taking time away from a bunch of other things. But it's kind of nice too because, you know, I haven't played games in a while. But when I end up playing a game, I can really get into it. And this is like the first of seven games that's what i was and gonna then, say yeah and then, and then, how
2: many more games to do after zero and you're not even like probably halfway through or so it sounds like
0: i i'm barely at the end of chapter two and i'm just tr- because i want to finish some of the side stories as well that's
2: the thing it's like those side quests all these things like they add up and stuff like that that's why people i can't remember which sony uh ex ceo or whatever they were talking about how we should be making some games that are the old, like, 16 to 20-hour AAA games, but all the games now is, like, we've got to pad in all this open-world content and all this stuff just which to is get at least,
0: Which probably goes 50-plus, right?
2: And it's like, not everyone has time for to pad in all those hours, right? Like, some of them are over 100-plus, right? Like, who has mm-hmm. that much time?
0: Well, I wonder how A everyone... Feels... <laughs> it would be. Uh, I mean... And I have to also say this too, and I'm going to talk more about Yakuza as I continue playing it with you guys right now. The other impression I have at least playing zero is Sega's sensors were either. I don't, I'm not going to say non-existent, but they were really light because there's some content there that really is mature and hinted at. Like there's some hints within that, the story and some of the stuff seen it. Well, let me just say, you see a character, see if they're actually real, and if you Google them, you're in for an eye-opening discovery.
2: Well, I don't think the ESRB does that, uh, Mike. It's like they just look at in the game. Basically,
0: that's the story I'm going to stick with for now, and at least until I uh, talk a little more about it later on.
2: But they're definitely like since Atlas has taken like been a part of Sega and they've been handling the manpower of getting Yakuza to the public because it could have been dead in the water. But once they bought Atlas, it's like Atlas has been handling and they've been handling it magnificently because there hasn't really been any cuts to speak of compared to how they used to do the games.
0: Yeah, as I said, so far so good. And this is from a guy who doesn't really game as much these days.
2: And it's kind of like, an, as I said to you before, an e- evolution, I feel, of what we thought Shamu would be, right?
0: Yes. And I know there's, I've heard that people have been disappointed with the latest installment in that since I was from a Kickstarter, but it's been also 20, almost 20 years in the making.
2: And you got to remember, it's Yu Suzuki too, so, and he mm. gave, if you were a fan of it, he gave you what? The fans won. It's just things have oh, changed, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, it's just yeah, lots has changed, and you wonder how much should it have changed with it. That's the impression I get is the gameplay isn't that much different from the original ones. I don't yeah, know no, for sure.
2: It, it like it basically is a carbon copy. Like if you played, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference.
0: Yeah, and I'm not totally sh-
2: sense. You know what that I
0: mean? That can be good. Like depending on how you feel about that, it can be good or bad, right? Anyway, by my as you can sense already, this weekend can be a lot of overload. I've mentioned my video video game plans. If you're into any esports, run the gamut. Name a name a game. Just name a game right now that is having something some big event going on. For me, it's Overwatch League, of course, and they're doing like a summer tournament. And if you're uh, a Toronto Defiant fan, you have got some good news today. They uh, actually played, spoiler, and the higher-ranked LA Valiant in an elimination game in their tournament, so there's been stuff there. What else? What, what other stuff eSports-wise e- is is going on this I weekend? I, know?
2: I, I keep on seeing, uh, because I was looking at Sportsnet and supposedly the uprising for the Toronto Raptors is still doing well, I guess, because they're still on their winning streak, it sounds like.
0: Last I heard, they were undefeated. Yeah, they're still undefeated, so they must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. Any other games going on? Did you say? Did I hear somebody say Evo earlier? I have to look that up. <laughs> is well,
2: that was in the pre-production, but Evo kind of exploded yesterday with controversies, and oh, so it something doesn't else. sound like it's going to be because all their sponsors, Ooh. like, were pulling out one after the other. Bandai Namco. The mor- uh, mortal combat and like all of them are just
0: we gotta keep up
2: but it is it, all in relation to uh, accusations of stuff that you just shake your head and it's like well, well, oh we, we will be talking, talking about I know the gaming mean. community they've been doing the video game community and now the competitive gaming community has been hit by it too it's like continuation of the me too and
0: uh, yes, and we, we we will talk more about accusations in the second segment, I'm sure. Well, I guess let's get to the meat of it. As mentioned earlier, there there's a lot going on this weekend, on this July 4th long weekend in the States. I mean, before the anime stuff, I've already mentioned the stuff that I personally am doing, and I know that the others have their stuff going on. But July 4th weekend should have also been Anime Expo weekend. But with that having been canceled due to the pandemic, and combined with Anime Lockdown two months ago, now pro- proving a certain viability of at least trying online events, not one, but three different events have emerged this weekend in the forms of Funimation Con. Anaplex Online, and of course, Anime Expo Light. And as we're taping this, the first days of Funimation Con and AX Light are ongoing and I guess winding down, with Anaplex Online set to begin on Saturday. We've kept up a little bit with things going on there. A- any initial thoughts on any of the shows before uh, we get into any real news from any of the conventions? Just impressions from what you've watched?
2: I took a look at both of them, uh, and I think me and you were thinking the same thing, Mike, in regards to Anime Expo Light, It looks like they've, and they've even mentioned, it's like pre-recorded content and stuff like that for their panels. And they do uh, have the, well, not all of them, because I know Ed Chavez for his dump, but he decided not to have video, but they definitely have had video for a lot of the different uh, people in those pre-recorded ones. And so I guess more control, but definitely you can see Funimation for their con. And it'll be interesting for Aniplex if they're the same as they definitely put some work into the back end of that because everything is live to the moment. They seem to Mm -hmm. have a regular chat, a Q and a chat. You have the video of the presenter and stuff like that being piped in. And if they're doing shows, it's being piped in of course through there too. They seem to have a discord tab as well. I didn't take a look at that, but there's a a lot going on. There's, there is a lot going on in that thing and then you can go into the different virtual rooms and it's pretty easy to get and log yourself in because all they want is your email you registered with and then the badge number they gave you
0: actually i'll admit i had a little problem with that earlier today in the last couple hours i i actually got my badge a few hours ago and initially i could not log in i couldn't log into with safari but safari has its own issues so i tried with Another browser I tried with Chrome, and I was able to get in. So I'm wondering if it was just timing and just a little bit for everything to process, or it was the choice of browser. I don't know.
2: Mine mine was fine, but I had registered a, a while before, of course.
0: Oh, yeah, it could have been timing. I will double check that another time, or maybe get back. Maybe I'll be give myself a chance to check that before we go off the air tonight. But my own impressions are, like the couple minutes I was able to watch on Anime Expo Light, just felt that way. Light. It felt a little at times bare bones. Nothing in ter- in terms of substance. There's still lots of substance, and the topics and in- themselves tend to be a little bit fairly engaging. Funimation Con is basically as. It's Funimation. It tries to be rather slick in its presentation. The, the graphics package is rather slick-looking. Uh, slick is going to be the word I use to dis- constantly describe FunimationCon as I've seen it to this point, and it's only maybe a couple hours of programming. But
2: I guess if you wanted to say it in terms, you could say that uh, FunimationCon was Persona 5, and then Anime Expo Lite was Persona 4 and 3.
0: See I can't, say, <laughs> I, I can't say I know I can totally get the video game reference, but I get the feeling anybody l- who's listening who's played those games will know. Let's but just say that... slick UI. Slick UI. <laughs> that's it. That's that's what it is.
2: But it's funny, and... Mike, because I talked to you before and the expo light, it's like, yeah, it was bare bones and that. But it felt better that way than what I saw and watched on their Twitch uh, in the last couple of years because I don't know. It was just the way they did the camera in the panel rooms and stuff like that didn't always work out and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like being live in person as compared to having it focused on a screen and then you have the uh, video feed if they wish it of that person doing the no, presentation.
0: They're, they're, of course, there's ha- there has been an evolution of some sort and sometime and a bit of that evolution has happened in the last two months after what happened at Anime Lockdown too, Right. The other part I was about to say about Funimation, there's of course it's Funimation we're talking about here. So a lot of it is is promotional stuff for a lot of the stuff they're doing. That's also part of the impression I had. Just before we, I got off uh, and left Funimation Con to start preparing for the recording. They were actually doing an esports thing themselves. Uh, what I have to find the exact description right now, but. It's Oh yeah. My Hero One's Justice 2. They're playing a fighting game, a fighting esports tournament with the voices from I think it's I think it's uh, My Hero Academia from the English dub. And you know out of all people who you know who's hosting it out of all people? Kenny Omega. If you know who Kenny Omega is, you guys. He's like one of the top pro wrestlers right now in north america he's one of the one of the top draws in aew which is the main competitor to wwe right now and he's very much an otaku he is as hardcore an anime fan as you'll find and this is an int- this is probably as good a form as you're going to see for Kenny Omega to show off that anime fandom side. He is just as hardcore a fan as many, many of us have been in the past or, and probably many of us are still are, but he is big and he did not look lost at all in talking to and hosting, hosting this. Like he was, he's very much into the fighting stuff into video games, into anime when he was profiled on NHK some years back for, for Begin Japanology, he kept saying he was into into all these anime shows and video games, but he didn't know they were Japanese. So he constantly jokes he was an otaku and an anime fan, a Japanese animation fan, before he knew these things were Japanese. So this is a chance, I think, for him to really show off that part of his personality. I don't think you I don't know how many people have really have had a chance to see that part at least in recent times but it's always been known anybody who ke- keeps up with pro wrestling and Kenny no Kenny Kenny Omega's story will know he's a fan but he really doesn't get a chance to really come out of that shell and show off that fandom side it, this is a real chance for him or in my eyes he hasn't really had a chance to show it this is really a the first time I'm seeing him sh- show off that fan side. And it's kind of fun to watch because he's, he's geeking out himself through in those streams as he's talking to various voice actors himself. He's acting like a fan. And it's really fun to watch, actually. And then he's sitting in a room, by the way, surrounded by various figures himself and figures and models. That's the type of fan he is. And I'm pretty sure those are all his. That's not just a prop. He's actually home. Enjoying this, which is really fun to watch. Anything that came out of them that caught your attention, James, Kevin? I I know James. You sent me a link as well. Funimation did it. One of the first things, first orders of business at the Funimation Con was Funimation having announcements, and yeah. they had a few.
1: Oh yeah, go
2: ahead. Looks like basically they are continuing the trek of just dominating the licensing game in North America and stuff like that because. I was looking again, and Sentai for this season even only had two licenses and stuff like that for their simulcast. Like last season, it was about that as well. So they've become a minor player, so to speak. Like you look at their solicitations for Sentai, and they're redubbing stuff and things like that. And it's like, so all that money Cool Japan put into them, it's like they still can't compete with the Sony money and stuff like that. And then you have Crunchyroll with the Time Warner money in there. Getting some shows, but it definitely looks like Funimation is just throwing money at the wall and getting stuff. And it kind of makes you think, especially with one of the licenses, for example, they announced. It was for a summer mm-hmm. series that was uh, delayed to fall. And that was the uh, new uh, When They Cry series. And it's supposedly called Higurashi When They Cry New. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of funny itself that that's how they decided to name it. They should have just went Super Mario Brothers,
1: New Super Mario Brothers style Nintendo <laughs> name instead. New Uh, no, when James. they tried. No, James. That would not have flown. <laughs> new X4, with when they the fan base, It would not have flown with me longer. or the fan base.
2: <laughs> But it's interesting that they got that series given... They obviously got when they got all the stuff from uh, Genion, remember? And that was one of the ones they decided not to pick up after the fact. So obviously it didn't do as well for them under whatever metrics they were looking for way back then. So it's interesting that now they decided, oh, we're just going to take that. And it's Kadokawa they must have got from because that's who's producing and stuff like that. It's a different studio than uh, what it used to be under. It's not Studio Dean anymore.
1: Well to my knowledge, mm-hmm. Higurashi, like Funimation put out Higarashi in another two sets afterwards, but then they let it lapse and never licensed Kai. And then it was when uh, Sentai relicensed it is when Kai and Ray came out. To right. my recollection, yes.
2: And so that's uh, why some people I guess thought Sentai might get it,
1: but yeah, I'm kind of surprised to be honest, like because I just thought, you know, we're used to seeing uh, companies picking up new iterations of those franchises, but not always. And this is one of those examples. Hmm. I'm excited. I love Higarashi. You, you are. Okay. It, was, it is my, the, the first Higarashi, despite all its flaws. Uh, was i was something that i would consider as or is something i would consider as my second favorite anime of all time hmm interesting uh, like, at- yeah like if i had to create a top 10 it's number 2
0: <laughs> whoa will be number 1 just out of curiosity
1: uh you know i've always been a pokemon fan so that's just it's just that it's cemented as the sentimental favorite.
0: Okay, understood. No, I, I understand where you're going considering what's on my list as well. So like you have Kenshin, Kimigori Orange Road and Maison Ikoku probably sitting in my top 5. I I
2: will
0: mm. just say top 5 because I can't say who would be who else would be in that top 5 at least right now. I'd have to kind give of it a look. Interesting bit
2: more you mentioned these on uh, Ikoku because remember they have the reissues that Viz is uh, releasing now and it's mm-hmm. in the proper unflopped uh, format with a new translation. the new translation,
1: yes. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I still have my because copies how is it
2: because I'm intrigued because I'm sure a lot of people weren't exactly thrilled with how it originally came out, but well, we were getting there.
0: The two pre- the two previous, two previous prints of it. Which is in Western format, and then uh, their first attempt at, unfl- at unflopped, where, which came out, you know, in that bubble.
1: Yeah, in the mid the mid two thousands. Right. I the think they
2: really said the infamous one is the V the VHS player was the DVD player. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that? I have to like reread a at some point. Oh, and but the
1: hardcore Takahashi fans don't like the translator because I believe. Yeah, his translations were not very good. And I think really? there was and I think there was some uh there's some negative as- associations with that translator as well nowadays, but I I haven't fully looked it up.
0: Maybe that's worth another discussion at some other point. Mm-hmm. Maybe a longer talk about reissues and new translations and what have you. Well, we sort of had that last year with Eva, right? Mhm. So was-
2: Interesting Mike because there was a translation panel actually on the Funimation Con and stuff like that with Sarah Lindham. And she was originally I remember at ADV for a number of years and then once they imploded she went to Funimation and has been with them ever since. And so she does some good panels on translation, stuff like that. And she's had a a couple uh audio commentaries. If you listen you get a real insight into how translation is done. And so it was a very insightful uh panel. And it okay. talked about some of those things you said about well, why is there a different translation or how do these things happen? And she gave people hints which you probably already know, which is due to mm-hmm. how the licenses are divvied up. It's like, is it streaming, is it home video? Because then that can mean you have to retranslate and stuff like that. They just don't pop it back to the licensor all the time to give it back to you or something like that. And the talks about machine translation and how that's affecting the industry and stuff like that. And and we're not talking about just Google Translate, we're talking about the proprietary stuff which is quite good, but you still need the human touch, as they say, while you're doing it. And those ones, as she said, are still for corporate use and stuff like that. She was using corporate law firms as an example where you have tons of documentation in discovery, right? Throw them through your proprietary machine, then you get the gist of it, and then you know where to send your translators to save the money and say, I need you to translate these.
0: Get a better sense of these, but
2: you but you can't do that in anime or manga or stuff like that. It just doesn't work that way. You need to go you have to through be, the you whole have to new go details.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, right?
2: Oh, so as you said, we're not in any danger of losing our jobs. That's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. There's because they have to kind of get those contexts, and plus, I get it that it, there's a degree of error and inter- and real interpretations that could go a bunch of different ways on the same thing.
2: And it's between English and Japanese. And if they're using historical context, you got to look at the things right. in yep. between yep. in Contexts that context. And, and all they that we're stuff. looking at the thing too that you have simul dubs now and all these things. So the deadlines are a bit more tighter. They can't do as much of the research as they could. And you have to get in contact with people in Japan, which takes time too. So you don't always get that as much. And sometimes for the simul dubs, they want to know certain things because remember, the translators are ahead of the game to a degree. And they're trying mm-hmm. to give them the heads up so that something doesn't look off when they start either dubbing or things right. like that. And they right, they don't have, have right fit for the role or something like that if their character changes, right?
0: Right, and mm-hmm. they don't have the whole hindsight is twenty twenty type stuff. They don't have that time lag now because of the way the market has gone. And you know, and if you mess this up, like you, you've already you've already seen what happens. In terms of going back to the Eva example, you already see what happens, even if you do anything subtle or try to be subtle, it still comes out. It can still come out way different, and you'll get called out on it. So imagine what happens if you put little or no effort into it. You think you think uh, the call out was bad would be bad before. They'll call dingo on you just uh, as quickly here. Makes that's the impression I got. Are they going to VOD all the uh, panels uh, at FunimationCon? Because that's.
2: I have no idea. Like, they haven't said anything on that front. I can see anything like that. So, if they were doing, I'm not sure where they would put it, if it would be on their platform or not, because it's like they've done their own sort of thing, their website and platform for this, right, Mike? So, the other yeah. ones, they're on Twitch and they're on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, you can easily see how you could VOD that. But for this. I'm not too sure. And it's like yeah, a question it, mark.
0: It, it's a question mark, but in some respects, you know, this is Funimation's own material too. So I'd be curious to see it, to actually watch that particular panel now that you brought it up. But well as I said, that's on it's an ongoing thing. And I anything sticks out to you uh, with the just looking at the two schedules just right off the bat. I mean and I know we Anaplex will be another talk altogether. So it's really hard to talk too much about any about Aniplex at this point. Just skimming through the schedules, I mean, Funimation Con to me really comes across as a bit more, well, even more corporate than normal.
3: Yeah, it it seems very corporate. Like, yeah, the, the site, the environment, the um, the whole experience. I like, I feel like it's 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 they put more effort into it, maybe.
0: Hmm. But then, Anime Expo is a little bit more let's say, well, fan-oriented, fan fan, fan, uh, fan oriented, but a little bit more of the more intelligent discussion sometimes.
2: And they do have some of the uh, panels for the industry panels, so they definitely have quite a few of those I noticed in yeah. there too. And then the cultural content, they have some small bits in between mm-hmm. about Japanese cooking or other things to that end.
0: Yeah, it, there's a little bit more culture and in, in a little bit more cultural. I mean, there, it has its little quirks as well just and i'm just skimming through the schedules uh, i admit i haven't had the chance to fully go through it there's been there's been a lot of overlap and uh, anaplex has done panels at both already today and actually they happened at re- relatively quick succession as soon as they were do- done on the funimation con
2: i don't they put think their that pay- was actually a thing for them because their their actual industry panel is tomorrow
0: well, they did something and today or earlier, They did too. do something
2: today, but it wasn't actually their industry thing. But they did mm-hmm. that on uh, Anime Expo, and there was no announcements. It was just going over. Yeah, and, but, the, the, but the
0: Expo one clearly looked more pre-tape, whereas the Funimation presentation was...
2: The Funimation one they'll probably do tomorrow, and maybe on their mm-hmm. own Aniplex thing, they might announce stuff because they want to use their own platforms probably for... Well,
0: um, maybe that's yeah. true, too. But it's strange. First of all, I, I mentioned three, three fairly um, different anime events on an overload July 4th weekend. Sony has its hands in Funimation and Aniplex, obviously, and this feels a little bit opportunistic. We've kind of had this discussion before about the timing of them doing this. And it's still, like, I mean, I guess anime fans win. They have a bunch of choices to keep up with stuff this weekend
2: as you said you can change the channel right and take well, you your can pick, as they
0: say you'll have three cha- you'll have three channels and then sub-channels to work with you know at least two within each of them right two uh, each one has two different rooms quote unquote with all of this so there's a lot of variety to keep up with stuff but it just feels a little bit opportunistic on sony's part at least the impression i got just them doing they're going off and doing their own event when ax was officially canceled but then AX comes back and announces, "Yeah, they'll do an online thing as well," or maybe it's just to spread uh, spread the spread the large the large S that is Anime Expo. There's a lot going on at Anime Expo. I mean, it's it, so why not spread out the programming a little bit even more? So, I mean, I'd
2: say that's some it of it. And then the other thing is, he says it's like uh, a Nintendo direct. They have more control of the content and because they, as we talked about, they got, they've had most licenses last season, this season, and probably even going forward. And they have their rich catalog of evergreens that they got from uh, previous companies. They have a lot of content they can uh, promote and can use. So they could yes, definitely they do more than two days, So mm-hmm. probably in their better interests. Right. And they get all right. that content and how it's, uh, portrayed to fans and stuff like that
0: that's the thing about being uh, I, I guess in some ways uh, it's kind of bullying your stack a little bit uh, just to use a bit of a quasi poker term because it's sort of what sony and funimation have done
2: and they were talking uh, to other fandoms and stuff like that as we were saying before mike because it wasn't just english speaking they were talking a bit before and we had a little funny discussion about spanish and then uh, Portuguese, yes. uh, Brazilian fans. And we've seen them being a lot more fans of non-English uh, language descent or being serviced by Crunchyroll. We've seen that on uh,
0: actually, I dai from
2: Sentai for Spanish and uh, Brazilian Portuguese. We've seen that definitely yeah, on Netflix. And so now the other they're talking...
0: Thing. That's the other big thing. Uh, Latin America will be a little bit more... Uh, we'll get a little bit more love well, now. It's with it's animations. kind of... Uh, it's kind I of a, we'll
2: a, a, a question mark there too, because as they said, they only mentioned Brazil and Mexico, and some of the Latin fans mm. are like, "Well, what about all the other people other than Mexico?" So now,
0: okay, that, like I great. remember that being part of the takeaway from from their uh, and panel, then so clarifying that.
2: And then the other takeaway was the dubs for those languages and stuff like that. And we've heard about, remember, the Italian Ava dub that got pulled from uh, Netflix. Well. They had discussions about the quality of dubs for uh, the Brazilian Portuguese, where they were supposedly using a studio out of St. Paulo, who I guess they uh, were questioning their quality about using people that weren't as exactly experienced or fresh out of college. And then on the Spanish side, the same uh, thing where theirs was out of a studio that has uh, one uh, subsidiary in Mexico itself. And then the others in Miami. And they were saying about, I guess, their quality concerns and stuff like that. But as I told you, Mike, they were basically saying it was Singapore ODEX quality is probably what we would call it.
0: Which means, uh, yeah, basically, right?
2: Yeah. Well, of all the ones actually funny enough, we, we say some things and stuff like that. But of all the ODEX and Singapore ones, the one that actually they actually looked better but they still had their rough edges i didn't mind karen uh that one that they done yeah. okay. and that was a genuine title but a lot of them just didn't it didn't really work and some of them were people that obviously could speak english but they were expats and they didn't have uh, i guess the time because some of it was probably just a one take line you can't really do that sometimes especially with people that uh haven't maybe not been in the business as long or maybe they're not used to doing dubbing work and stuff like that you know what i mean so Mm -hmm.
0: so well some love yeah yeah it's more like a tough love i guess
2: but i guess we'll see how all of them uh, react as they make their push worldwide and start including more languages and stuff like that well as i said sony sony's
0: kind of setting up for a bunch of things on a bunch of different fronts through various various labels right Mm-hmm. Anaplex, Funimation. What's the one in Australia? I forgot That's the name. That's Madman uh,
2: mm-hmm. in Australia, New Zealand. And remember, they actually took out Funimation now from they Australia, re-branded. New Zealand. Because remember, Madman had Anime Lab there. And because that was the bigger brand, they just went with that. Just kind of like, basically, how we yeah, they games, basically discontinued you know mean?
0: one. Basically, not really absorbed, but they had both. You might as well just stick with the one and then just feed that one, right?
2: Yeah, that has the bigger brand name and stuff like that's that. Kinda like, that's
0: kind of like that's kind of like a well. To use another Australia example, it's kind of like well, for a long time, Australia didn't have the uh, the Australian franchisee of Burger King didn't have the right to use the word the term and name Burger King in Australia. That was until roughly a decade ago. They did that franchisee finally did gain the rights to use it, but they decided to stick with the name they had already used all those years. Oh, so wow. Burger King in Australia for years when they when they landed there they were just known as Hungry Jacks and then they had the right to finally change the name to Burger King but the guy who runs the operations in Australia decided to keep the name Hungry Jacks. There's a bigger story there too and it kind of involves a conflict with the actual parent company later on but that's the upshot if I remember correctly. So and, and course, that and.
2: That's sort UK, of what uh u k and all that stuff they have mm-hmm. uh, manga u k remember them, so all right they are that's what Funimation wants for that one, so
0: well, I mean we'll keep up with uh we'll try to keep up as much as we can a little bit more. I mean, we don't have too much else to say on the three virtual cons going on this weekend, I much more at the, at this point, probably just uh, see what we can as the weekend goes. It's a busy weekend though, so I don't know how much we'll see uh live anyway as it happens. And this is where I come away saying, "Oh, I hope they put some of this up on VOD so I can watch some of it later on." Uh in between watching sessions and playing sessions, right? Anyway, last thought before we uh take a break.
1: Slayer has got licensed the manga. I
0: think it's the manga or the light Oh no- yeah, that was that's that's from last hour. Yeah, J J J novel. I think J that's no- that sorry. The, Yeah, J, J, novel. J novel uh picked that yeah. up. And that's interesting they, they had a, some intriguing announcements i i, I see the uh, brief on that just now i saw a little bit of their panel earlier too
2: they've definitely had a lot more uh, isekai is their big thing because of course light novels and that but i've been reading uh, bookworm on their platform and stuff like that and it's an interesting way of how they do it where it's like they're not streaming but you're getting that first look of the translation that's not going to be in the ebook or in like the polished ebook or in the final physical edition, if they decide to do that, because sometimes they'll do that later. But it's an okay. interesting concept, but it's still very readable and stuff like that. I'm sure you might see a few niggles here and there, but nothing much.
0: Okay. Well, as I said, if uh, in a future episode, next episode, if something else really pops out from the uh, conventions this weekend, we'll uh, bring it up. But I hope uh, people are, enjoy this. Really, I'm not going to say... Uh, people are uh, sitting and enjoying this because by the time this episode comes out, chances are those conventions are over. I
2: guess the other thing I could tell you, Mike, if you wanted to know, like there have been a lot of manga announcements and stuff like that. i have to read the list. And We were, and they always usually is, but the one thing that's been interesting the last few years and even this year is, I, Tokyo Pub, it's kind of funny because they've been doing a lot of Yaoi manga and stuff like that and OEL <laughs> manga. So it's kind of funny how they're doing it's like the only thing I've been getting from them is Aria because I really want that but the other publishers have definitely went in is to a degree but Seven Seas and Yen is the Yuri manga and the light novels like it's crazy how much they've taken over and they've I guess made money because we're still seeing tons of them coming out and about the late aughts and that when Seven Seas as we said tried to bring light novels and Yuri manga here. Like Yuri and manga, the strawberry oh, line, man. and then the light novel, it failed sp- spectacularly. So, I'm not sure if it was like the e readers and some of the digital stuff, but we're seeing so much physical from those type of genres, light novels
1: and the Yuri manga, and it's incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, think there part of it, more
1: than those too. Honestly, I think part of it is that just so there's so Last much month, the there's so much content. That is derived from like novels now that are being adapted into anime that naturally fans will be curious as to where the original source came from.
0: Yeah, that, that that's true. I, I mean fair point too, yeah. That's a fair point. I mean I can say that about I'm pretty sure I can say that about Untamed since I brought that up last time. Although uh in terms of my watch list, Untamed is now sitting is pretty much at the back of it with everything else I want to play. <laughs> okay, well, let's we'll watch and see where that uh, keeps going. And on that note, let's take the break. When we come back, let's talk let's bring the conversation back just a little bit to Netflix Canada and Studio Ghibli among other things. And maybe uh do a couple bullets before we end it off. It's the Anime Roundtable on the 6Talk Podcast Network. And the podcast now continues in front of a, oh wait, not a live audience, but online via the 6Talk Podcast Network, official podcast Anime North, I think. Nicholas, Austin, Ng, and Shamarki in conversation with you. As we continue on this dawn of the 4th of July weekend here in North America, I'm in the mood to kind of backtrack a little bit. This is Mohammed's first appearance on the show since The Digest. Well, he didn't do The Digest with us last week when we had Jesse Betteridge on and we talked at length about the Studio Ghibli acquisition by by Netflix Canada and the subsequent appearance the following thursday and i sort of want to come back to that actually let's reel back even further and talk netflix in general so we're, we'll come back to two stories we have been that had been ongoing over the last month so we'll talk ghibli in a second i do want to talk just a little bit more about terrace house again just for a moment when we say terrace house we're talking hannah kimura again and her death back in May, I just wanted to quickly say this. I'm towards the final episodes of the previous season of Terrace House, uh, opening new doors, the one that preceded the current season that got canceled and is in the middle of all the controversy. And as I finish it, it feels like I can start to see the seeds of the situation that hani Kimura eventually faced before she died in May. I I, I mentioned before that, well, when Hannah Kimura died, it was a, a a, a case of online bullying that kind of drove her. But I kind of said back then, some of it might have been the doing of the production crew itself, right down to some of the harsh words that the celebrity commentators made in between segments. And the more I watch the final episodes of Opening New Doors, the more I believe that even more. I'll say it because there was this one scene when one of the more polarizing characters in Opening New Doors kind of laments that she made the mistake of mentioning some of the places she wants to try and find a job at. And then she mentioned that a lot of online bullies yelped each of those businesses, giving them lower views if said companies ended up hiring her. And then all the commentators ended up saying is, well, that's what ha- what that's what happens when you decide to sign up for Terrace House." and I just thought that's kind of leaving people hanging out to dry. And that kind of comes back to the lack of support that production crews didn't really seem to give anybody who appeared on these shows. I mean, here we are talking about Terrace House being so subtle, so pure, but now we really start to see its ugly side after after the Kimura death. But that's another story altogether, I guess. I mean we you kind of said that before didn't you James
2: back then in regards to uh what exactly
0: like the whole you know support uh, background supports from production companies in order to help people
2: Yeah no yeah of course I was talking about that but I think in this case that kind of goes beyond that and stuff like that that you shouldn't even be like mentioning things like that, and kind of giving this subtle support to these Netsons. And even those companies shouldn't be basing their hiring based on idiots like that, just trying to either tank them or just say whatever, you know what I mean? Like,
0: mm-hmm. Well, it, I it, think, and some of it's also, well, the editors, whoever edits these shows just wants to make, you know, they, they have to make TV themselves. So sometimes people come out as bad guys just based on the editing. Not necessarily on the actions themselves it's just that it's just how the actions are ultimately presented it's television for better or worse
2: of course but as we know some of them aren't going to be tv stars in the future and they're not going to be doing that type of interviewing they're probably going to get a normal job and you would hope that in normal jobs that people would actually look at based on their resume and skills and what they see in the interview and not silliness on a tv screen you know what i mean because as we well, said it's yes. not real like, life but as we mm-hmm. know sometimes some people don't know the difference right
0: right coming back to the whole concept of unscripted television not reality tv anyway i'll give further impressions if i if warranted okay mo let's uh bring you back into the conversation because first of all you i know regretted not being able to sit in on the digest last week i'm sorry you had to miss it it was a good one. I enjoyed it.
3: It was very good. Uh, you know, hats off, to Jesse. Jesse uh, knows his stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: Jesse knows his stuff. Definitely. That's why. That's why I was so happy that he was able to do the episode and talk at length about it. But okay, any impressions from the from the deal from your end? I mean, I just,
3: it's one of those things that I'm always so surprised by, where it's like, like, why did it take so long? You know, like, I feel like. There was this deal struck at the 11th hour. Like there's, there's so much that we will never learn. We'll never find out. Um, so much secrecy surrounding the entire process. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just a thought. It's very odd.
0: <laughs> when we started talking about it, we thought, who are the principals in the negotiations? And we thought it was a certain set, a certain set of companies. And then when word came out down that, it was, it was a done deal. The principles ended up being two different entities than what we thought it would have been, right? Here we were thinking that it would have been between HBO and Bell Media and Crave, and it ended up being a deal between four kids and... I mean, not four kids. Four kids, four kids uh, G-Kids, G-Kids, G-Kids. Uh, sorry, G-Kids. G-Kids. And, Whoa, that
1: would have been wild.
0: That, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Is, is 4 kids still alive? No, I, I know where you're going. And boy, that's a I bad slip so. of the tongue. We're, we're keeping that in the bloopers. But you know what I mean? It, like, we thought it, it would go one way, but it really went to the other. Right? True. So I, I just thought it was just interesting in that sense. And going back to grasping at straws, because I mentioned, well, why not Bell? And then I made a put up a case. And obviously, maybe we were truly grasping at straws and giving too much credit, but Bell has gotten a little bit into esports as well. I don't know how many know this, but they are the jersey sponsor of the Toronto Defiant in the Overwatch League. They have their logo on their uniforms. So they know a little bit about this culture, or at least uh, somebody within Bell has given a chance on uh, on this fandom.
3: I mean, I, I feel like we might be looking a little too much into it. I mean,
0: that's the thing. I know, but you know, that's what caught my attention. It's those type of things that caught my attention. Mind you, you look at also the links within the ownership group of the Toronto Define. You have Chris Overholt as the president and CEO of the ownership group there, and he used to be the head of the Canadian Olympic Committee. So there were connections to work on there. True. But I get it. You're right. I, I get the idea that I was reading too much into it. But basically, basically they they came in and at another angle, as far as I could tell. Yeah. The opportunities for overactive media and the Toronto defined they had way more points of entry into the corporate world, if you know what I mean.
3: But- I know it, it, absolutely. It's it's just it's just I feel like this is probably going to blend into our next point about like anime in Canada in general. Just the idea that um, you know major corporations don't want to spend. The time and money and effort to uh, to sponsor that type of stuff, I guess. Well, oh, yeah, just...
0: let's talk about that for a second because, well, fact of the matter was Canada was one of the last dominoes to fall in terms of Studio Ghibli streaming in the world. One of six countries that still had yet to get a license deal. I don't know. For a second, for a second there, I thought
3: North Korea was going to beat us to the punch.
0: yeah it it was entirely possible I guess at the rate things were going so that says something a little bit disturbing or not so much disturbing as is disheartening about the Canadian market when it comes to things like this I think at least in my eyes there's a certain bias with uh, with us as fans especially fans here in Toronto because in terms of anime stuff Toronto is spoiled when it comes to I think a lot of the rest of Canada, we have anime north, we have that extensive areas in Toronto where fandoms can really get in it get into their stuff and related items, whether it's models and, and even food sometimes, because you have, you know, we have that cosmopolitan feel that Toronto sometimes has. So you have multiple Uncle Tetsu's outlets throughout the GTA a whole or,
3: little, a whole little tokyo
0: yeah you have your little you have your little izakayas you have a you know places for for sushi here really good ones yeah ramen places popping up udon noodle places popping up right i mean Sujiri has a few outlets at least 3 outlets in within the gta by my count and as I said, Uncle Tetsu continues ex- its expansion. But what is it really like for anime fans in Canada? Because it's it feels like they get left behind a lot. I mean, you see Europe getting a few things. You see, obviously, the U.S. is still the U.S. And it's a market that's tenfold compared to Canada. But Canadians, like, they get... They, it feels like they get left behind. I, I don't know. Anybody want to give a thought on that because uh, let's go back to the u.s for a second whenever a, a licensing deal happens in the u.s you would sometimes like make the assumption it was coming to canada that's the assumption we made with the hbo g uh, kids deal for studio ghibli and obviously it didn't turn out to be the case and took a little longer than expected even going back uh 20 years for cardcaptor sakura same thing kind of happened there so what's the story here?
2: I guess some of it too, Mike, Is we said, is some of it is that most of the time it's Canada, U.S. are lumped together in the regions and stuff like that. And then some of the high-profile things that doesn't always be, isn't always the case. You can look at the Cannes Film Festival where some of those movies sometimes are divvied up and stuff like that. I look at um, Boy and the Beast, remember, It went to Funimation down the States, but it was Mongrel Media that released it up here. And Mm -hmm. then we also had Mirai, which it went to GKids, but I haven't seen it anywhere in Canada as an official release. You know what I mean? Like you have to import the GKids release. So weirdly enough, it does happen with how they sell these rights. And some of it is tied up with how they're going to do it. And we saw GKids, remember, was controlling the rights and they were going to do it obviously with hbo max but then i guess as you said there were the intricacies between how that was going to work with between bell and hbo right with how they did their agreement and what they wanted on Crave, mm-hmm. probably
0: yeah i, I guess so there are so, so many things well then that leads me to believe wonder who like if canada is so underserved whose fault is this does it belong to the fandom because as I said, we're biased here. We think we see a lot of the fandom, but we don't really know how big it is here in Canada. We just see it we probably just see it at its at its strongest points. Is it corporate Canada? I mean, I, I feel like
3: they probably see something I mean, Corporate Canada is like a, a thirty thousand uh you know, foot level overview. They probably see the landscape better than we
0: in the bubble probably see it. Yeah, I think um, that's the key thing. We're we're as I said, we're biased. So we're in a bubble in our own way. Exactly. I suppose. So like it's it's kind of why maybe anime fans become so passionate about things. Like I said this about people who are into subs. Anime fans who are who watch subs become so passionate about because they have to give more attention to reading their subtitles. And in turn, I think they become more def- not necessarily defensive but more passionate about things.
1: Oh no! You could say defensive in some aspects.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's why uh, Canadian fandom gets the same way because they have to go to probably above-average lengths to be able to satisfy their cravings, so to speak.
1: Uh, it depends. Uh, well, you have Netflix now.
0: Yeah, that's which is a start. And you have and good. You have decent. You have well, decent uh, Crunchyroll access. We have decent. Funimation access, but we don't really have that Viz stuff, right?
2: And then you look at the the theaters as well about what anime gets into theaters and where those theaters are, because some provinces get more and other provinces get nothing.
0: Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things. The aftermath of the deal had me kind of reflecting on that. That's why I want to ask you guys a little bit more about it, because once again... I'm Rip Van Winkle here. We have I haven't been around for the better part of 10 years, but you guys have had a better sense of things over that time. So I thought, what is, what's the story now?
1: Well, anime fans nowadays watch the bulk of their anime on the internet mm-hmm. or through streaming, legal or otherwise.
0: And I think over those 10 years, it's become a little bit more of it's leaned a little bit more legal, at least a lot more than before. Because anime
1: on TV for t- the teenage audience that's accessible died on December sixth, two thousand and nine, because that was when the last episode of the original Naruto series aired on YTV, <laughs> and we have gotten so, and we have gotten no anime for the teenage audience since on a channel that you don't have to pay for.
0: Until which, sorry?
1: So, we have had no anime for teenagers since 2009. Yes. on accessible
0: TV channel. Mhm. The whole I miss bionics thing that we talk that's constantly talked about, right? Because
1: you still get you Pokémon still airs on Teletoon because mm-hmm. and then you have Star Pokémon. Yeah, like all the a lot of the some of the kids stuff still airs on Teletoon and you know stars still play some stuff every now and then but you have to pay up for that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so, how, crazy, how, else, how else are how else are teenagers gonna find shows like My Hero Academia? They go on the internet and half the time they don't know if if whatever website they're using is legal or illegal. But they don't care because they just want to watch
0: it, and so mm-hmm. they all. Okay, I yeah,
3: forget about anyone ever buying anything physically ever again.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, anyway,
1: and it's frustrating.
0: Super for, for, frustrating for
1: me. For me, who grew up watching Witch Hunter Robin and and Gundam Seed,
3: Helsinki.
1: Like. I look, I look back fondly on those times. So, I would, like, I would never go out Friday nights because Friday night was by. Bi-
3: <laughs> yeah, man.
0: Escaplone, man, come on. Okay, well, uh, give me the last thought, and then let's take one more break, and we'll end off with a, a couple bullets and a couple of kicker thoughts.
1: Well, you know, like I, I wish we had something like a tsunami here. Because I I agree with Jesse in that I still think there's a place for anime on TV for the sake of exposure.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's it, as I said, it's a bit frustrating. Still, I but would
1: though. I would say it's,
2: so, it's so too. Ten, but
1: it's, it's over ten years and counting now.
0: I don't think
2: corporate Canada thinks there's anything uh, really left in the tank. But the other thing that I think might've helped it too, was they were getting a lot of those ocean dubs so they could use it as CanCon content, whether we agree with that or not. And I think that
1: helped as a selling point. You know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and there's almost nothing dubbed in Canada anymore when it comes to anime. Yeah.
2: Nothing Mm -hmm. in uh, ocean studios in Vancouver. And You would think they would try to get some work and stuff like that because our dollar hasn't really been that hot and stuff like that. So you think they would get competitive offers with some of the people in California and stuff like that, like Bang Zoom and some of the others. Uh, It's just the way it goes. Hmm. But the other interesting thing, Uh, thinking about, as you said, uh, Kevin, is like we're talking about it all being on streaming and that, but they're going through the new hot stuff and everything like that. But the thing is. It's funny when we were coming in in the early aughts, like, anime was new and we're just watching whatever and some of that stuff was from the 80s, like Kimikori or Orange Road. So we were watching tons we were of stuff. Pitch up, really. Yeah. But now, everyone isn't really doing that as much. Some of them will go back to some of the stuff in the early 2000s, even the 90s, like Cowboy Bebop or Try Again or some of that stuff. But it's really about the new next hot thing and stuff like that. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like you have Anything that is ever an evergreen like the cowboy bebop was and stuff like that, like in five years or ten years, are they still going to remember My Hero Academia? I don't know. Like, will it be the next really Dragon Ball? I
0: don't know. La- All right. Anyway, yeah, let's get your, last, last
1: your point's taken. It's It's also the fact that, like, why do I need to wait once a week to watch something when I can go watch Attack on Titan or whatever whenever i want
0: hmm. that's the other thing yeah anyway this is just a, as i said just a wanted another thought let's take the break and then uh, we'll end it off there's a couple of little quirky items to end off the episode on and we'll touch on those as we end off the episode next as we wrap up the roundtable on the six talk podcast network and welcome back so before we go tonight first of all let's acknowledge we are well aware of an article that came out yesterday concerning Kanakamatsu he made some comments concerning casting of persons of color at voice actors in american cartoons and see how and wondering how that'll affect anime there's a lot to that article i want to dig a little deeper into that and In some ways, it kind of not really related, but it sticks on a similar theme. We are also aware, since we are based in Toronto, we are aware of Christopher Butcher's resignation from TCAF from the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, which was announced a day or so ago. There's a lot to unpack in both of those stories, I think, and I want to save that for a longer discussion in a future episode maybe in the next couple of weeks, but there's a lot to talk about with both. And there's not all of it's pretty, but um, James, first impression of those just, just in general.
2: I think uh, when we look at both of them, there's not much surprise and stuff like that. Maybe for the TCAF one, I guess there is some surprise that this did happen because it came out of nowhere. But then once you read on and stuff like you can see how this all came about and came together and, if you've been following that con and how it's just growing so much and stuff like that, that they had to do something and there definitely has been some succession planning and discussion of how to include everyone and they've had their failings and they're admitting it, but there's a lot to unpack on that one. And then there's a lot to unpack on the Ken Akamatsu side as well of them uh, asking him some questions. And I'm not sure those are the type of questions you should be asking him given uh, where he's based and, his life experiences.
0: Kevin, mm-hmm. Mo,
1: a little surprised with with Christopher Butcher resigning because that that was his baby. But mm-hmm. I understand needing to uh, take care of yourself. And truth be told, i I don't really, I don't know exactly what those criticisms were, but mm-hmm. I will say that uh, I did volunteer one year. And I was treated fine, but I can see the, you know, now that I'm reading the article, I can see what they're kind of getting at with uh, the inclusion of people of color. Cause I always did feel like uh, there were a lot of, a white, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the organizers are white to put it bluntly. So I'm curious to see how it's going to turn out. Uh, but I will say that I was treated fairly. I never had any issues with anybody at TCAF. So I, I just that's hope about the really them. To.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's all you can really speak to at the moment. Uh, Mo, first impressions of either, or you're more, cu- or just an uh, expression of curiosity for for the future on this.
3: Pretty much. I mean, I, I see where he's coming from. I don't know. I need to. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. I guess it, mm-hmm. it's it's
0: tough. It's it's new so we'll, we'll we'll see how it plays out yeah from it this is a story with as i said a lot these are two stories with a lot to unpack especially the tcaf one and that's one of lots of gravity so let's end it off by lightening up a little bit uh in the, on the topic of staying classy anime fans <sighs> ah three zero. zero why i don't five know five? how to like how do we start this last part <laughs> ReZero, zero, I, I'm kind of speechless. Ne- there's a part of me that shouldn't be too surprised, considering what I, I, we've heard about all these exclusives already. Well, the real question is, would you rather buy a house or put a down payment on a house? Well, let, let's t- first of all let's back up for a second. Re- there's going to uh, what's the company name? But all I know is it's a life size figure of Rem. And they really mean and they really mean life size. Yeah, and yeah. when they mean life size, we're talking five two and then over six feet when you add the her accessories. Uh, the umbrella. So basically the what they
2: say is it's a Yueco a figure shows Rem in a beautiful kimono holding a real parasol by Kyoto Craftsman at the historical Kyo Chia company. And so they've done some stuff with uh woodblock printing and all that stuff mm-hmm. like, and no, it's those not been this expensive but it's definitely been up there in price and stuff like that it's like this one of a kind item and stuff like that where they would order right stuff would say okay you can order it and then they would tell the craftsman okay this is how many were ordered and then they would get them made in specially shipment but this is a different uh, level to say the least because i think there is only 10 units of the figure have been authorized to be made and 3 of those units are going to be available through uh, right stuff for the price of $39,999 US.
0: For you know what it's worth, that's not a down payment in Toronto. I was, was, was going to say, James, I mean, it's, it's a down payment maybe in the middle of like nowhere, but come on, Toronto? Toronto, no, that's not a down payment in Toronto, even when you convert that from I, mean, <laughs> I, I think you maybe buy a parking spot for that much. <laughs> a maybe. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it would get you maybe two in Toronto. <laughs> what do you think? Like, you can get. Sorry, Kevin. 54,
1: it's $54,310 Canadian as of this moment.
0: Okay, so thanks for the conversion.
1: Uh, I mean... But it said North there's America some... only, shipping and insurance
2: costs included, including duty and taxes. You
0: said duty. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I,
0: we had a bunch of part punchlines for this when we were talking about this a couple days ago and preparing for the show. I don't know how many of them I remember. Uh, we can bring up in a couple seconds. I don't know how many of them are actually safe to say anyway.
2: Well, let's put so it maybe... this way: you'll have at least a life-size umbrella, so she'll kind of keep
0: you out of the rain, just like a home would be.
3: I, I think that umbrella way alone be worth fifty thousand dollars, right? Way to go!
0: Well, isn't it high end? Kind of. Uh, we're talking artisans, right? Wait, isn't it it's a handmade umbrella? Right? Yeah, and you anything. won't
2: be
1: lonely either, even
2: though um, you can't talk to
0: them. Yeah,
2: well
1: I know. Well, here's what I'm wondering: uh, How much do mail order brides cost nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I, I think we're I think we're talking something competitive. Because, well, I guess it depends. If you if you want your partner to never talk back to you or to love you unconditionally in your mind, then yes, REM. Um, <laughs> Uh, Could be worth considering Considering that you have fuck you money To spend on this
0: Yeah well Also
2: I... I'd like to say this would be better To have in the stands Than the certain uh, dolls they had In the Korean stadiums I think for their Pro uh, oh, baseball boy. and soccer
0: Oh boy I I don't know
1: Or you could spend that money And build a rem that that's true uh, you know that can you can dress and you can accessorize and spend time with
0: for forty thousand, you can commission i guess right
1: yeah because i'm pretty sure this life-size figure doesn't have any orifice
3: (laughs) that we know of right i mean it could all be assumed
1: No, if, if it had an orifice, it would have been in the advertisement, Mo.
0: Oh,
3: boy. It could be a gentle surprise. I don't know.
2: <laughs> all I have to say is they say it's a Kyoto and so I'm sure it's a very respectable figure that is being handcrafted and not what any of us are thinking online.
0: Well, the only thing I'll say is I'm pretty sure all 10 will sell. Hundred percent,
3: hundred percent.
0: I mean, we've seen we've seen versions of how hardcore fandom can get.
2: So you think there are three really crazy rich people in North America that will definitely buy one from Sean Kleiner? You,
0: that ha- uh, out of how out of a combined three hundred and thirty plus million people?
3: I, I feel like it, it will sell out super fast, probably like in a day or two. So.
0: I'll give off again, for thought, but I, I could see them selling. I don't know if it'll take a day. It, 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 it may take a little more than a day, but I do see them selling.
3: No, nah, I, mean. I, I, I think twenty-four hours from when they can officially buy it, it'll be sold out. Um, we should. We no, should no, do no, 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 I don't no, think I'll it'll be that quick.
1: Oh, it is well, a forty-thousand-dollar pretty... purchase.
3: Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I, I, I think the price point is just high enough that anyone who could afford it is already like eyeing it and has already have it like pre-purchased in their mind. They're just gonna, the minute it comes out, buy it.
0: <laughs> well, I, 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 when, 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 just quickly, uh, just to end it off, when does it go on sale? Do we know? Do we know a sale date for it on in North America? It's it's through Right Stuff again, right?
2: Yeah, it's through right stuff. I just went to the page now, and this is what they said. It says pre-order, not shipping yet. Release date is April fifteenth, twenty twenty-one. But here's how to order because because of how it's done, I didn't realize they're doing something special. It says to order this figure, please contact our customer care team between eight a.m. to twelve p.m. Central Time, or this, one this p.m. Is- to four thirty Central Time Monday to Friday at their uh, toll free number. So basically you got to call in, and they're this probably going to get you with a fine-tooth comb to make sure they get their money.
0: This is not an online purchase. I've been, I'm assuming it's already sold out, then. <laughs> it, could, it could be. Well, the, the, ad, the listing is still up, I guess. The right? listing is still up. They don't and have a thing where out. you can
2: buy it, so you literally have to call in. And they probably, who knows, maybe you have to talk to Sean Kleckner himself, and they're going to interrogate you until they sure they're well, going to get their money.
0: They're going to give you the uh, third degree before uh, they (laughs) uh, get a credit
2: company to go through uh, your thing, because you know what? It might not be Elon Musk trying to buy that figure.
0: Mm -hmm. And on that note, once again, stay classy, anime fans. And that's it. That's all we got for this episode. And uh, thank God.
1: Wait, one more thing. Quickly. Anybody who listens to this, please leave us a rating in whatever.
0: Oh, I forgot thing, to mention that.
1: Anything that you can leave a rating on, like iTunes, whatever, leave us a rating. Preferably five no, stars, right. please. If yeah, you no, actually no, enjoy what? us,
0: enjoy listening yeah, if you to actually us. Enjoy that us. Is. Oh. Well, yeah. Yeah. So more people can get be exposed. Bad choice of words. More people have a chance to know about this show. <laughs> It would be really appreciated. Thank you in advance. As I said, that's all we got for this episode. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable.